Oh, well, you know, I will always go, of course, towards the Beatles. It's comforting to me. But, you know, I love, I actually love, like, uh, something I have learned to appreciate is uh, Deep Purple. Really, I mean, I love Yen Gelin as a, as a um, an, an artist, a vocal artist. Um, I listened to uh, Def Leppard was a big, uh, big, big guy for a big band for me. Um, I actually like like bands like Glenn Miller. So, but uh, Dead Can Dance. I don't know if you know of, of this band. Um, it's my boyfriend. My boyfriend is a huge metalhead. Introduced Dead Can Dance. And it was a huge revelation for me. I love, I think it makes me feel good, whatever the mood. I can listen to the same song in, in a different mood and, and just, uh, you know, it reveals itself in a different way to me. So that can dance on one side, but it can be like metallic on the other side. Depends on how I feel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me uh, on this episode is another friend from Canada. I always love when I have people from Canada joining me. They make some of the best guests. Nathalie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing fine. How's everybody? So far, everything's pretty good So in Dallas, Texas. So where are you calling from? Waterloo, Quebec, because there's another Waterloo aside from Ontario in, in Canada. Oh. And it's a smaller place, though, smaller Waterloo. Oh, okay, very nice. Well, tell us a little about yourself. Well, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, a French-Canadian entrepreneur, and a well, accidental podcaster because I wanted to open a new uh, lane of communication with my prospects. So what I do basically is uh, my um, my enterprise is called Les Cantons de Lettres, which is uh, Canton is French for from for township, and uh, Let Let is like the, the how you you name a, a specifics in uh, like literature. So if you have a diploma in, in Quebec, it's Lettres instead of Literature. So it's like uh, the Eastern town scripts would be like the most vaguest. <laughs> approximate uh, translation for uh, for my enterprise my enterprise so what i do basically is i i create and organize and animate um the uh, writing workshops for creative writing you know just to uh, to have fun with people because i used to do that as a participant and i wanted to i was getting i was missing these um gatherings where we would talk about you know we would write we would read aloud, and then we would, uh, you know, talk about anything in between literature, like culture, like films. And I miss this gathering of people. Uh, it's like, you know, in French, there is an expression. It's uh, it was faire salon. So these uh, there were, were very prominent ladies in the high society that would uh, open their uh, well salon or <laughs> their rooms for anyone who wanted to speak culture and uh, you know debate. So I wanted to uh, 
Salon in Waterloo, Quebec. So I started with one little event called the Waterloo by Candlelight, where I created an event where we put we would uh, write with a quill and ink and uh, by oh, candlelight. How fun! Yes, yes, and it was very successful. So uh, most of my um, most of the people who call for my services are libraries because you know every good reader can be a writer or you know the interest comes from reading and then you want to write your own story so uh, it was a natural uh, environment for me and uh, then I didn't want to stop there and I would say why stop I want to I want to open my services to anyone in the eastern townships and this is where I live actually the eastern townships for anyone who's not from Canada it's a little um, region just an hour from Montreal and it was um, it was colonized by the people, uh, the English who were loyal to the crown at the um, the independence war in your country. So any, any of the people who were who wanted to remain loyal to the Queen of England, or sorry, not the Queen, historically, it was not a Queen, what, you know what I mean, the crown, the English crown, some people went and colonized the Eastern townships. So this is why it's not divided in the traditional seigneurial way we used to do in France. This is the only place it has townships. And it's such a nice place, lots of nature, lots of forests, farms. And we wanted to get away from Montreal as far as we could because we wanted to raise uh, our family in a nice environment. So this is where we ended up in the Eastern townships. It's very touristy, life has lots of antique shops, and a really nice place to visit, by the way. And I love, I fell in love with the place so much I wanted to contribute in any way and I chose culture. So there it is. And I wanted to communicate with people. So I wanted to start my podcast, which is named the same as my enterprise is Les Cantons de l'Est. Oh, good. Well, we'll thank you. That That is a great. I'm going to ask a little bit more about the podcast in a little bit, but I want to always, I always like to start out with the beginning. So growing up, was there a lot of music in the house where you, what kind of music did your parents listen to or you as a kid? Well, you know, I the, the, special, the specific situation when you're French Canadian is you you're in between two cultures. You have French Quebecois or French Canadian and, and well mainstream Anglo-Saxon music. So I, I had the privilege of knowing both and growing up loving both. My parents just you know I won't go too much in details with the French music because I know it won't resonate with some people but uh, I can tell you that we they knew all the oldies you know uh, it was like Johnny Cash my mother loved Johnny Cash and uh, you know any like uh, the Platters, Booker T and the MGs, uh, Deborah Lee, Patsy Cline, stuff like that. We grew up listening to this we actually had a you know those mixtapes we used to to uh, create you know just to go sure. on and uh, you know, usually you had those TD, TDK like branded, but we used to have the blue zenith tape. Okay. So uh, I know that this tells me my age, <laughs> the blue zenith tape. And we uh, used to listen to like the, all the old things. And my sister and I actually enjoyed my parents' music. My, and mm-hmm. we grew up with my uncle. He actually was my babysitter. Oh, and my okay. was big into the Beatles. So the Beatles is huge with my sister and I because it's like, you know, it's like a nice loafer. You know, it's a comfort music. The Beatles is like the, the, the primal 
get together music. We like to sing around a campfire. And uh, when I was a kid, aside from, you know, listening to uh, old records of Sesame Street and whatnot, my first adult record I used to play on the pickup was, do you remember those pickup uh, turntables? We used sure. To uh, it was I Love to Love from Tina Chow. We cannot more get, get, get disco than that, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so how that, funny. That also tells me my age. As you grew up, uh, did you stay enjoying both the French Canadian and the, uh, you know, more traditional, uh, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon music? Did you mainstream Canadian and, you know, pop and also French Canadian? Did you stay fans of both types? Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some French Canadian songs are like go to campfire songs. We all know the lyrics, too. It's very comforting to go back to this. And to be honest, there's a French Canadian singer. Um, his name is Robert Charlebois. And he, we saw his, him in concert. And I can tell you of my personal appreciation, his show was as quality and epic as any of the mainstream Anglo-Saxon shows. I, you know, maybe the venue was not as big. Right. But the artist, the connection with the artist, the quality of the acoustics, the uh, the way he was generous with his audience when he sang songs we used to listen to for 20 years, he sang it like it was his first time. So of course we have, I, I will always have a strong connection, but with both genres or both, you know, uh, origins of artists. So uh, Natalie, I'm, I'm a little curious. Um, you know, I. I grew up in Louisiana, so there was a, um, especially a little bit east of us in Lafayette, Louisiana, a huge um, Cajun, you know, French culture and a lot of Canadian, you know, Cajun music, you know, from, you know, uh, a lot of, in fact, that's, I, I smiled a little bit when you wanted to make sure I knew how to pronounce Benoit. But, you know, because, uh, you know, Thibodeau, Boudreau, you know, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I grew up with that. So I, I was very immediately knew how to say your last name. Do you grow up by bilingual when you're in that normally? Do you like it sounds like you are pretty fluent in both languages. Is, is that pretty typical for someone growing up in your area? No, it depends where the person comes from. I think maybe in Montreal, it's more easy to have an access to uh, Anglo-Saxon culture. But uh, I think my family in particular, I grew up with both languages. I had like my TV shows in French and my TV show in English. I mean, Sesame Street, you know, The Muppet Show, Jim Hendrick, uh, Jimmy Hendrick, forget what I'm saying. Jim Hansen was a god to me. You know, it was like my household family name and uh but you know my my great-grandmother was Irish and my mother's Acadian so this is why it resonated with me when you mentioned Cajun music because uh you know we my mother listened to lots of Acadian music because of her Acadian origins it did not it didn't have an imprint when I was younger but later in life I got I, I you know I got to know Cajun music and my mother listens to a Fred, oh my God, she has like her own uh, Cajun radio shows that she, lists, she, she listens to online. And Fred Charlie, I think it is. 
And um, so when she, we, when I go home now, she listens to a lot of Cajun music and it sounds like home, even though I've never been to Louisiana, it, it does sound like home because, you know, there's a bit of, a little bit of all of us in the, um, in the Cajun, uh, the Cajun culture. So, yeah. uh, so it, but for me, it was a normal thing, but I know that, you know, I, I talked to my friends, some only listen to English music, some never had really a contact with English culture. I, I, I also listen to TV in both languages. This is what happened in my family. So I can speak for every one of us. I know that some people barely listen to any TV show in English, but for most French Canadian, English, like Anglo-Saxon mainstream yeah. music is, is a thing, is something we all grew up in because we're like an island of French in the whole of North America. Uh, and uh, I, I want to get back to music in a minute, but I'm fascinated by this. Do you do you think in English? Do you think in French, or is it a combination of both? I think in French. In my household, it was very like my parents were, were very politicized. It was important for them for me to master my French language before I got bilingual. So if I were to learn learn two languages, I have to learn mine well and then go to the second language which is english in order to you know so in order to be fluent and you know you have to learn one language well because we know that i know that some people it's it's okay to be bilingual but it's extremely important being where we are but some unfortunately tend to uh turn the other way not everyone but you know just it becomes like a, something with, of a language that, you know, they th- tend to forsake yeah. who they are, you know, um, organically and then mm-hmm. to, to, the, uh, to the, uh, the expense of another language. You know, and both cultures, we, we always grew up following both cultures, but it was French, French, French at home. The English was already, always in my, uh, in my environment, in my head. In my... I take it you're a parent. Are you raising them bilingual? Uh, I'm raising her in French, but uh, she's exposed to, uh, you know, mainstream Anglo-Saxon music. And, yeah. you know, we listen to uh, lots of... No, well, uh, I mean, my, um, my, my boyfriend is a huge heavy metal f- uh, fan. Okay. So my, so my daughter listened, grew up listening to Metallica, Be Purple um you know motorhead yeah oh in even some hard stuff like venom okay wow (laughs) that's good it's important to have a yeah exactly uh are there you you've mentioned a couple of canadian uh artists but are, are there other who are who would you say are your favorite musicians who are people you go to for comfort and to celebrate who are people that you love listening to their music even today on a consistent basis oh well you know i will always go of course towards the beatles it's comforting to me but you know i love i actually love like uh, something i have learned to appreciate is uh deep purple really i mean i love Ian Gellin as a um an, an artist a vocal artist um i listen to uh a Def Leppard was a big, uh, big, big guy for a big band for me. Um, I actually like like bands like Glenn Miller. So, but uh, Dead Can Dance, 
I don't know if you know of this man. Um, it's my boyfriend. My boyfriend is a huge metalhead. Right. Dead can't dance. And it was a huge revelation for me. I love, I think it makes me feel good, whatever the mood. I can listen to the same song in, in a different mood and, and just, uh, you know, it reveals itself in a different way to me. So that can dance on one side, but it can be like Metallica on the other side. Depends on how I feel. Uh, Beatles always, um, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my God, well, Def Leppard, you know, because of the nostalgic effect. <laughs> and, you know, basically any rocker of that, of that era, but also pop music. Sometimes I, you know, I have like recollection of my teenage years, so rock set was something for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the Swedish duo. So, um, so it's, it depends really on my mood. I love classical music sometimes. I go towards uh, like Gershwin, George Gershwin. And uh, Glenn Miller, stuff like that. I <laughs> love, yeah, I love the diversity of your, you know, the love of your music. Uh, so let's go back to your podcast. Now, what's it? Give me the name again. It's uh, Les Cantons de l'Est. It's French. Uh, so, but I know that, you know, funny thing, when I look at the stats on my, on the anchor platform, right? The, the biggest uh, audience like biggest section of the audience come from the u.s oh okay so i don't know maybe there are francophiles in the u.s and then it's canada and then it's germany mm-hmm. so oh. we'll figure <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah um, i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked about this yeah so how often do you put out episodes uh it, it used to be uh weekly but it's a lot of work to uh you know because it's Basically, it's a writing workshop. So I find my games, my, my writing exercises or challenges. And it was a lot of work. I was, I always have the anxiety of what if I don't come up with something within a year or two? What, what if I run out of exercises? Maybe there's there's no such, such thing, but uh, I, I'm going to space it like bi-weekly. So it gives me time to really prepare. I was supposed to register, uh, put mine online yesterday and I got interrupted. So I had to uh, get back at it today and, uh, you know, put it on, online. The, the, the first episode of season, do I already have one season that's complete? So I'm starting season two now. How did you decide what seasons were? I, I usually um, go over a bit over like all the way to maybe the 20th episode and then start back. Okay. So it's like, I tried to do it like in a year. Say 2020 is going to be season one and 2021 is going to be season two. It did not work that way. Okay. I, I started a new pass a, a certain number of episodes. And you know, it's still a little bit messy because I'm, I'm learning as I go. Yeah, we all are. Uh, you know, <laughs> we all are. Absolutely. Um, so about... Um, talk to me about some of your favorite episodes. What are some that are you really proud of? And is it, do you normally have, do you have guests? Is it just, you know, you interacting? Tell me how you interact. First off, yeah. Do you have guests normally? I don't have guests yet. Okay. Of course, I'm always like pitching for people to send me their texts. Like some texts they have. Uh, yeah, sorry about this. <laughs> the two videos are so fast. Okay, so um, I'm 
I'm a, I'm always alone most of the time, of course. I'm always open to gifts. Um, it hasn't happened yet because I think I'm, I'm still building my audience. And I'm starting right. to get texts now so I can read them aloud. And you make the, the, the next person the new star of the podcast. I haven't received anything yet, but you know, it's a learning process. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, uh, my biggest dream, I'm not sure if I can realize it or uh, exceed it, is uh, there's this French actor called Fabrice Lucchini. Yes. And this guy can read the, you know, the type of actor who can read the phone book and make yes. it sound like poetry. Yeah. He's one of the last generation to actually really enunciate well in the most old school way. And he, uh, he like when he's like say, reciting Molière, it's it's amazing to it's like music to listen to this guy. If I could have an exchange about poetry with this guy, that would be the holy grail of my podcast. Okay. So, is it the format normally? Your, it's you, you talked about. It's almost a a writing exercise. So, the idea is you you go through different or walk me through an episode you're really proud of tell me about that process well uh, usually i started to i start with announcements so i'm gonna say my projects what i'm working on right now and then it's going to be literary appreciation i'm going to read a poem from a well-known poet for people who are not much into poetry to appreciate not only the poem but the french language through poetry because i think there's a, a, a love-hate relationship from the French Canadian with their language because they, they stumble upon the grammar and only think about the difficulty of how and complexity of French language, which is more than that. But if they were introduced to uh, you know, poetry and listen to how French would really sound, you know, uh, you know the, the musical flowing way, I'm trying to make them appreciate them, appreciate them then it's a structural it's a very structured writing workshops. There are always five genres. First, there is a um, warming up exercise. So it's not, not nothing too complicated, something that would come out of your head quite easily. After that, it's a something to stimulate your fiction uh, writing. After that, it's for a poetry exercise. And then it's a reflection. So I go for a quote. I go from a quote from a philosopher, a poet, whatever. And I let this person, you know, they are, there might be philosophers in the, uh, in the audience. So, you know, and they can write about what they want from the, the quote, I say. And then after there's a stylistics exercise. The stylistics in French is the art of, you know, uh, writing well. So it's something that, you know, may, would make your sentence go from this long. And, you know, you take out some words or you transform your, sente- your syntax and it becomes <clears throat> a, a sentence of a better quality. My most proud moment is when I could, I, uh, in the literary appreciation, I gave my own interpretation or reading of the story of um, Eurydice and Orphe, or I don't know how you call them, uh, Orpheus, Orpheus. It's a, a, a story about um, Greek mythology. Yes, where, Orpheus, you know, right, yeah. Orpheus and Eurydice. Yeah. And I think it's a, it, I read this, I know I had to rewrite it and read this um, during the uh, Valentine's Day podcast. And I think it's one of the most underrated and beautiful love story I've ever heard. 
So I had I wanted to introduce this, and I don't know if I if my rendition was okay or even well, but yeah. I had a lot of fun uh, uh, sharing this story to uh, to my audience. You know what I what I love is I think I've always grown up being a reader. You know, I uh, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot, and uh, so books were always my friend and so i i've I've always been a vicious reader and so i love anything that you know pushes that um literary and and to continue that love of reading Uh, i just had um i had an episode that went out this week sophie sparham who is a poet uh from the uk um and Poetry is one of my blank spots. You know, I, I, I love a lot of fiction, a lot of, um, you know, mysteries and science fiction and, and popular culture, you know, books. But poetry is just something that I've never gotten into. And I feel like I'm missing a lot of beauty by not exploring that genre. I think that's, that's you know, you said beauty. And that's the key word. I think people need beauty in their lives everyday life and uh maybe poetry is the most underrated art to discover the beauty through the words through the wording of the poets and the music of you know all those words all sewn together and i think i'm trying to also stimulate that in the audience and my uh writing workshop participants to find the beauty in the poetry uh, in their everyday life. Even my banner on the Facebook, it said like, you know, there's the, uh, there's the slogan, like it's uh, create, share, and inspire. And then it says, you know, poetry in your, la poésie au quotidien, which means poetry in your everyday life. So to find the poetry in, in the littlest things, because poets sometimes of course, they had like their own views, you know, regardless of if you're the, of the era, if you're in the romantics, the realists, the, the uh, encyclopedias or La Pleiade, whatever, you know, they, these people have their own view, you know, of poetry, but they, I mean, I'm pretty sure they found it in, you know, the littlest thing, from the littlest things to the most grandiose of feelings yeah trying to i'm trying to help the person in my workshop view you know open their eyes you know look up and open their eyes of what what is poetry around them you know nathalie one of the things that i talk about is i try to get people to join me on the podcast and they'll say oh, I don't have anything interested to say, or, well, I'm not, you know, and I always say, I think every, every, every music fan, not just Bruce Springsteen fan, but every music fan has a story to tell. I think there is something about how music has helped them in their lives and, and how they've celebrated good things and helped to mourn, you know, and, and get through bad things. And I, and I, I get the same sense with you that you're saying all of us are writers and we just don't realize it at times. All of us has the ability to create something 
unique to us, whether it's prose or poetry. And that's one of your missions is to try to wake that creativity in people. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it is a fair statement. And also to democratize poetry, because I think writing in general is still, there's still a misconception that it's only for intellectuals. I've heard, I have people dragging their husbands because most of my niche is women and dragging their husbands or boyfriends to my uh, writing workshops events. And they're always like, oh, well, I'm a writer, but, but I don't want a writer's point of view. I want your point of view, or they tend to compare themselves, which is interesting because it's like the person who just read aloud their text, the person next after is going to say, I didn't do anything as good as she did. And I was saying, I don't want to know her view, I just heard it. I want to know your color. I want to know your inner garden, which is beautiful. Everybody has a rich story to tell. Everybody is unique. And I want to, you know, I, my mission is also to um, make them see that writing is a tool an artist can use as much as a, you know, for, for good and bad times, as much as the musician has his violin. I mean, you can bring a pad everywhere. And write, and, and sometimes sometimes it doesn't have to be verses. It can be words that you can put together and rewrite and rewrite until you get your satisfactory, uh, you know, some a, a result that is satisfactory to you. Yeah, I, I think you know one of the things that we have lost is right. We don't write letters anymore. We don't, no. you know, we we may send emails, but often we just text instead of actually, you know. Yeah. writing letters to people and, and sharing and what's going on. So yeah, that's, uh, that's good for you. I think this is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. Uh, you shared a little bit about this, this, you know, you're seeing your, uh, one of your favorite musicians live in that small little venue. Are, are there other memorable concerts you've gone to other shows that, you know, have stick out in your memory? Oh, yes. My first rock concert. I was just in the transition between high school and college, but you know, mind you, just a parenthesis here. We have a, I think in Quebec, we have a unique uh, academic structure. So right after high school, we have CGEP. CGEP is an acronym for uh, College of General and Professional Studies. So you have to go through CGEP before university. So it forms you for your concentration, whether you want to go in human science or whatever. So I was, I was transitioning between high school and CGEP. And um, my sister said, oh, you want to come to uh, the Def Leppard concert? I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. I wasn't too, I mean, in my teen years, I wasn't too Broadway musical. You know, I, I wish I had heavy metal in my teen years, but I wasn't too Broadway musicals. I saw Cats, I saw Phantom of the Opera, I saw Les Miserables, which was the most emotional concert. So it was a huge jump from Broadway musicals to rock concerts. And my God, I never came, I will never turn back after that. I, it was a huge party for me. My, my ears rang long after because the people were so loud. Like it, was a, it was, you know, the, during the Adrenalize, right after the Adrenalize uh, album release. So it was a... I mean, the Rick Helms uh, drum platform would write, the scenics was, the you know, scenography was amazing. The atmosphere was amazing. So then I discovered the rock concert, you know, atmosphere. So I didn't want to 
stopped there. So I went to see Bon Jovi, and after that, my boyfriend wanted me to discover Iron Maiden. So yeah, Iron Maiden was big too. Uh, I was really impressed by Bruce Dickinson. I was really far away, and I could see running him. I could see him running across the stage. He was in his fifties, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is yeah. in shape, man!" And then he he spoke a little bit in French as well. So uh, props to him for that. So uh, yeah, the uh, Def Leppard was a huge eye opening on the, the the rock scene. It was really awesome. So uh, I miss these, but the concert tickets are getting more and more expensive. It's almost they are. not affordable. It Even is. I'm, even Bon Jovi, is, yeah. it, it, come, it, it has come up to 200 something. The last time I wanted to see it with my best friend who was really into Bon Jovi, it was just for old times sake. And I was like, then they used to sing for the working man. And now it's like 200 something and the working man can afford it. <laughs> but you know, my two cents about this all overall uh, rock rock music is uh, was, and, I would die if we could see Metallica once in my life and then can dance. I know they're touring in Europe and I cannot wait to, for them to do a tour in North America. I, can, I, I wish I could bring my mom to see a dead can dance concert because she had the, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on. No, so no, no, you're doing fine. I'm going over time. So uh, yes, yeah, she just uh, got her diagnosis of stage four cancer. She's in remission right now. Oh, good. I think that would like be a very, iconic moment for both her and I because I used to see lots of shows with my mom we had like a really great relationship uh like we came from like mother and daughter to friends we saw lots of concerts I saw lots of like world music concerts during the you know there's a Montreal Jazz Festival and I don't think I ever saw a jazz concert during the jazz festival it was mostly like a Corsican singer or Lorena McKinnett which isn't a the same uh, the same genre as Dead Can Dance. Really, uh, uh, she's a Canadian singer. Uh, something that one of she's one of my best concert memory comes from Lorena McKinnon. It was um, surreal because she was she came on the stage. She was like a thorough. It's like she was floating on the stage, like just to fit her fit her genre, and we were so relaxed during the whole show it was like a, a feel-good spa moment and then we then the when the show was over we went out and it was you know the the Montreal festival jazz festival was booming and it was such a contrast between this calm ethereal relaxing show and the whole effervescence of the jazz festival outside was so yeah i i tend to forget her as a memorable show but lorena mckinnis is a must see did um are you you mentioned loving broadway in the past did you uh one of my favorite current broadway shows is come from away are you familiar with that because you know it's from a it's from a canadian perspective no no i don't know about this there are so many of them i don't yeah know. yeah come from away is based on the true story about um after 9 11 all the planes had to go to gander uh, to and then it's a musical set about that that few days after 9-11 it's a really beautiful musical so yeah um so uh, this is a Bruce Springsteen podcast any thoughts about Bruce have you done any has 
have you watched his Broadway show on streaming, like on Netflix? No, I never didn't even know he had it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna like you. I'm not. I cannot say. I cannot pretend that I'm a fan of of uh, Bruce Springsteen. I respect the artist, though. Sure. You know, sometimes you there are artists you appreciate without being fans, but you respect who they are and what they did. Yes. Uh, I don't have a personal anecdote with Bruce Springsteen, but someone I know. So I'm gonna share it. This guy uh, went to a festival where Bruce Springsteen was, and he said people were drenched with rain. They were exhausted. You know, they were the hours of festival. The weather was not on their side. Yeah. But then Bruce Springsteen came on on stage, and apparently the energy came back up when he came. So he has this effect on people I didn't know about. And it was really an interesting anecdote uh, this guy told me. Apparently, Bruce Springsteen has a magical way with people. And uh, um, But I, I, I don't have any personal... I know like, it was, he was big in the 80s, but I was into something else like Duran Duran sure. or even like One Hit Wonders, like Platinum Blonde, which was a Canadian back in the day. You know, yeah. Pretty yeah. Boys. And, you know, I was a young girl, so... Yeah, I was the guys I had crushes on. So, um, a couple of years ago, he did a Broadway show. He had just done his autobiography, and uh, the story is uh, President Obama reached out to him and said, "Hey, would you be open to doing something for my senior staff? You know, we're I, my my second term is ending. I'd like to do something special." for my people that have been here would you be willing to come to the white house and do a small performance and bruce said absolutely um he says you know it was impractical to bring the band so what he did is he worked up a show where he read a little bit of his autobiography and sang a few songs and afterwards uh president obama tells the story that he went up to Bruce and said, you know, that's a show you, you should, you should tour with that. And so when they reached out to him to appear on Broadway, he did it. And so they filmed it for Netflix. So it's available in the U S and Netflix. I'm sure you can find it in the Canadian version. Uh, but it is him on stage. Um, it's not a concert. It is a show. It is the story of his life, and he sings different songs and tells stories of his life. So um, I, I'd love for you to watch it and then from a maybe come back and tell from a not a literary criticism, you know, but from an artistic as someone who's talking about storytelling. I think it'd be interesting, Natalie, to hear your thoughts on the creative process and what you felt about watching that. Yeah, sure. I think I saw a little bit of it. Now, not you saying it, it, it was, yeah, it was him singing songs and talking with his, yeah. communicating with his audience. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, I saw a little bit of it. Okay. Um, I, it's my boyfriend who decided to try to describe this because you know he yeah. also he know he knows of Bruce Springsteen, and uh, I think it was it sounds it sounded like very intimate like with a it was conversation. I was uh, impressed of the amount of communication he had with the audience without knowing you know the premise yeah. and the whole context of it. So 
it was, I, I guess it was, a, but I didn't know it was about him though. Yeah, so good. You'll have to check it out. Let me know. All right. Uh, what's next for the podcast? You said you're starting on your another season. What? Where do you want to go with the podcast? Uh, I really would like to have more, uh, more and more uh, texts from the uh, the audience or well, uh, the, my niche on Facebook or Instagram or even 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 because I'm going, I'm I'm working on workshops. Uh, here at home in Lake Rome, in a nice venue that is surrounded with nature, and I think this would be a fertile terrain for uh, new ideas, new texts. New... So, uh, of course, I'll have maybe if I have like a, a direct contact with customers, then it could be a you know, so, you know I could bring material to the podcast. Uh, and, you know, hopefully have like more participation from. Uh, the every people sometimes I share my 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 writing as well to show them yeah hey, you know I come from a place when I used to write I have more time I left less sorry less time for writing and more time for um too much time for organizing everything but yeah. um yeah, more and more participation from the audience and maybe some guests but you know uh I maybe I can find them on the same app as uh, we found each other very nice. I, I appreciate that. This has been wonderful. Um, all right. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Uh, well, yes, maybe I'm trying. I would like to have a, an English version of what I'm doing. I don't know. Okay. Do you think it would be a good idea? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think there, yeah, I think there would be an audience for people that are trying to spark their creativity. And yeah, so I think absolutely. Where I feel handicapped is I don't know as much as uh, English literature as I know as French literature. Yeah. But I like to learn along the way. I love to do the research. I love to, I think, the same format. The, my biggest limit is my fear of being an imposter since, you know, yeah. English is not my, my language or nor my culture. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, one day I'll give it a try. Yeah, at least do it like a like a one off episode, like say, OK, here we're going to do. And, uh, you know, if we, um, you know, we could always I'd, I'd be glad to join you and we could talk about Springsteen lyrics as poetry. So there. Yeah, we could talk about I could pick a couple of songs that uh, the lyrics are uh, mean, especially much. And I, you know, I'm inviting myself to your podcast, but I'd be glad to do that and to help you. So that'd be fun. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I hope that you've enjoyed the conversation. If you are a fan of Miss Benoit and you are over here listening to her, she has made all uh, your French Canadian fans proud. Um, I end every episode with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher who is recently retired. He has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living. He and you would get along. Uh, he, he would do uh, writing workshops as well. He would, with his high school students, they would spend a weekend and just doing working, uh, you know, almost like a, you know, they would have t-shirts printed up and they would be, they would spend the day Saturday, eight hours writing and just wow. talking about it. Yeah. So absolutely wonderful person. But he would, um, when he was teaching, he would spend two days breaking apart the song Thunder Road, 
talk yes. about the lyrics, talk about the imagery Bruce uses. And then at the end of the two days, he asked the question, does Mary get in the car? So Natalie, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? It gave me a lot of thought. You know, I was looking for hints as to what would motivate her decision in the song, in the lyrics. I've, I had to read, have to read it twice, even three times, I guess. I'm going to say she did, maybe because of my own personal experience. I mean, the, the guy's determination is uh, maybe deserves uh, some sort of reward from Mary. She seems to be stuck in a pattern, but I tend to be stuck in that pattern of, I'm going to see how I interpret it, you know, as a non-native English speaker. Sure. She seems to be stuck in a pattern. Where she turns out she maybe she, out of insecurity she turned away boys maybe for fear of intimacy or something yeah I kind of, somehow i kind of relate to her and somehow i had to give in and say you know what sometimes you just have to dive in the abyss and give this guy a chance this is why i'm with my partner right now yeah so and uh you know he's into cars and stuff so yeah i'm gonna say she she gave, she gave life a chance and hopped in the car. Yeah, I think well said. Um, it, you. It, you know, I do think that's what the song is. The song is about choices and fear. And do you, do you embrace the fear or do you take a chance uh, and try to do something? So very nice. Um, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way they can? Uh, they can start with Facebook, not my favorite app, but still the one yeah. I'm working harder on. Uh, I have a website, www.lescantonsdelettesaltogether.com. Uh, or uh, and I will, I will have a link of that in the paper uh, on the show notes. Perfect. So yeah. I think the best introduction is either Facebook or Instagram, and the rest will follow. Okay. Very nice. Um, this was wonderful. I, I had so much fun getting to meet you. I look forward to continued communication. Uh, yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to have a closing for your friends of uh, French speaking? Do you want to close this out in French? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, in French language. Yeah. Bien, j'espère qu'il y en a qui ont écouté ou tenté le podcast de Set Nothing Book. Je vous encourage à écouter les autres épisodes de son podcast. Perfect. Thank you. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Thank you, Nathalie. Listeners, go get vaccinated, go get boosted, and let's be kind to each other because that's how we're going to get through this. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Nathalie. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. 
There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.